John Deck. Now each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week I think it's safe to assume it isn't a zombie because we're watching Alien from 1979 directed by Ridley Scott. John, this is a movie about an alien. It's so much more than that, Anthony. In fact, isn't it though? In fact, there may be one or two concerned listeners who believe that our Halloween series of horror and scary movies is getting way off track because last week we did American Psycho, which some people, including myself, I believe have a bit of an argument to say it's not exactly a horror movie, but it has elements there within. And then others were thinking, if you guys do Alien this week, that's not a horror movie either. You're over for 2. And I disagree heartily. Um, I think the, it all depends on how you define define horror and some people think of particular tropes as being necessary for horror Um, but i just think it's a film where part of the key ingredient in what went into this film is that there's an intention to scare you Um, in, in many different forms it could be a lot of different ways and and i really believe that i for myself alien is one of these movies i mean i haven't seen it in a long time um but way back when i was really into the series uh, of movies that it, it just they do something really special with the suspense that they generate and this this alien creature and the threat that they're under and it's like really incredibly tense with what's going on there and for me that 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 combination of being stuck in space it's kind of claustrophobic you have a killer alien that's like killing people and like what's happening where is it and i don't know and it's gonna kill us like all that just sounds like horror to me i don't know about you no it does to me too and i i think that for some people horror is is more of a pejorative than it is a genre like you could derive horror from a number of different types of movies that maybe don't fall strictly into the horror movie genre uh like take event horizon for instance like some people wouldn't call it a horror movie despite the fact that there are many scary moments in it yeah horrific moments in it some people would call it a suspense movie or uh, a sci-fi thriller or whatever you you know whatever label you want to uh, attach to it this is a movie in that same vein in fact i'm a guessing that event horizon probably took a number of elements from this movie i keep mentioning event horizon because it is one of my favorite movies and we will do it one day on the memory distillery but no i I think that you, you horror is one of those things that you don't have to be super strict with in terms of you know how you define it and and what falls into that genre so i think it's perfectly acceptable to put alien in that within that that sort of subset of movies yeah i think we can like confirm or deny that after watching again this time and you know clarify how we feel but like say again to go back to our last movie the american psycho uh it was a lot of things but in my determination after watching it again i just don't 
think it really meets that feel. I don't think the point of it is to scare you unless it's an existential threat, you know, which in case, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's got a lot of that and psychological uh, horror in, 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 in what it could mean for you as a crazy person. Um, but as far as the standard loose, loose, loose definition, I still feel like there wasn't any real, you never, I never felt like, you know, truly you know any any element of fear or suspense tied into it. it was just a different kind of animal yeah i i can agree with that I, I i don't think after watching that and after our discussion last week that it was particularly you know a scary movie and you know my bad i picked that one for for the poll <laughs> hey, but you know so, you know live and learn fuck it everybody else voted for it so <laughs> okay so so all of you were wrong too <laughs> Uh, so no, it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, I I think that we're going to be a little more, I think this is going to be a little bit more of an intense viewing than American Psycho was last week. Um, I I think that we're going to definitely have a lot more to reminisce about and, and, and sort of ruminate on, uh, than we did for last week's movie. I think that this is going to be. Uh, I mean, it, it, most people, I think, most of our listeners anyway, have probably seen Alien or at least one movie within the Alien franchise. So I, I think that we're all going to have something that we can pull from uh, with this movie. So I'm I'm pretty excited. I've discussed the fact that we're doing this with a few people, and I was surprised that there were, first of all, one or two people who don't think they've seen it, and they said it in this questioning way, which makes me think they probably saw part of it or they've never really been into it. And then there were, uh, I think, two different people who said they honestly couldn't tell the difference between Alien and Aliens, the sequel, Um, which, okay, fair enough. If it's been a long time, maybe you just can't distinguish between them, and that's understandable. Personally, I think there's a very different tone between the two, and I like them both a whole lot. Um, But this one is the one I would definitely say is more of the horror, uh, in my opinion, because it does such an amazing job with suspense. Um, And so for me, I can tell you, I know we both, we've discussed, we'll probably be watching this from our own personal collections yeah. um, but i'm gonna wait till late at night when it's dark <laughs> and silent and creepy as hell and i'm gonna watch this i don't remember how long it is let's just say two hours but i'm gonna spend these two hours with nothing else around me and just let myself do my very best to just freak myself out and soak myself into this yeah i think that's a great idea actually i um and i mean going back to what you said about people not really knowing the difference between this and aliens um i might actually be among that crowd i uh, in my memory i don't i don't specifically remember plot points being attributed to one movie or the other and not that i have a ton to pull from anyway it's been so so many years since i've watched this uh so there's there's quite a bit for me to sort of re reacquaint myself with uh with regard to alien so i'm i'm yeah the pretty stoked about that yeah and the sequel is clearly a christmas movie so we could do that one in december sure yeah (laughs) okay i i think on that note the best thing we can do for ourselves and the rest of the world is to jump right into this movie Yep, I agree. So what we're going to do here is we're going to pause and go watch Alien. And when we come back, we're going to talk about it and see if it holds up to the the horror element that John and I remember it having. Um, 
Uh, as John mentioned, we're going to be watching this from our personal libraries. Uh, so if you have it, awesome. If not, feel free to go rent it from any of the numerous streaming rental services that are out there. And uh, yeah, we'll be back shortly. That was a bad note to go out on. Uh, <laughs> hey, we'll just have our editor fix that. Yes, absolutely. We'll be right back. And stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> We're back, everybody. Uh, man, that was uh, that was <laughs> that was sort of unexpected. Uh, seeing all of that again, it's I don't know if we mentioned up top. It's been a fair bit of time since I watched this, uh, and I was actually really surprised by it. Um, let's. Uh, you want to jump in here, and we'll we'll talk about it, John. I think that's what the people want. They want to hear us talk well, about the movie. No, um, is it really important what the people want? I mean, okay, we're switching to Adam's family instead. <laughs> um, no, the, the new one, of course, the one that's not released yet because we have inside uh, connections. But speaking of connections, I do want to clarify. I realize right off the top that my version of uh, Alien is the was is and was the director's cut. Oh, see, I didn't get the director's cut. I had the uh, just the theatrical cut. So. The regular power. Yeah. Um, so I, I did uh, do look up a comparison of, of the main differences, and I can get to them later. There's really only two main differences that I feel like had an impact on me. The others were like little, like, oh, this scene, they digitally added some more stars because they had the technology to. And, you know, like little touch-ups. Sure. What's the, what's the little difference edits. time-wise there? Because this was an hour um, 57. Yeah, well, this was about two hours, but they added a few things and took away a few others. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. So, it just is the things they took away was just to try to, like, speed up a few of the edits um, where, like, normally they lingered on this particular scene and then they cut it down. But other times they added in more to the scene. So, it was just, it was just like the director, uh, like Ridley Scott, you know, having a different uh, take on a different... Uh, cut so to speak but not like a full three hours like the original one before they edited it for the theater originally it was about three hours long sure yeah um i wonder if the differences between your what your viewing and my viewing say the the differences between the director's cut and the theatrical cut would have made a difference for me as well because i mean i had i had a few complaints about what i watched but they were petty at worst so i mean it was hard for, to, for me to find something significant to to really gripe on with this movie um and i'm wondering if those things would have been taken care of in the director's cut yeah um i mean there's one way you could find out i suppose uh <laughs> yeah all right so we're gonna pause here and i'm gonna go watch the director's cut uh no Man, I'm we not. this we paused and rewatched things so many times now the Hopefully, when you edit it, it won't be obvious that we actually took four months to record this. Oh yeah, no, no, I'll I'll cut it down real nice. It'll it'll be it'll sound great. Yeah, I can't believe we started on the fourth of July right after we did Independence Day, and now right we're um, almost done, and it's October. I wonder what twenty nineteen is going to bring. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, the movie, the way it opens, I, I, I really. 
I'll, I'll just say overall that I love the, the pacing, even though it's slow. Like, I absolutely love how deliberate everything is and the buildup that happens when everything just goes insane. I, I feel is it's like a reward to going through this. I was getting very 2001 uh, Space Odyssey type vibes. And of course, because it's in space and and all that kind of stuff. But just the with the slow, deliberate pacing where you like know something's coming and and. And even though I know this movie fairly well, I tried my best to just take it as it comes and just try to enjoy it in each moment and not try to think about what's to come. Um, and so from that perspective, just the, the the beginning scenes, which in the director's cut is a, a little bit more lingering before any introduction to humans happen, uh, is just like an extra minute or so of just the camera panning up and down the empty hallways of the uh, Nostramos. Well, I got a fair bit of that as well. Uh, I, okay. I, I think that probably both versions open that way, although maybe you got, you know, an extra little bit of time uh, with the ship. But you, you mentioned build up, and I think that that's a great word to, to describe sort of what you get with this movie because there's a lot of build up, and it doesn't disappoint once you get to the the payoff but there is a ton of just sort of build up and and anticipation and like it 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 you get antsy at one point because you know that something's coming uh but i think that that's like like you said that's something that this movie does really really well um panning through the the ship um i i, I noticed sort of as i'm just sitting there looking at the design of the the both the exterior and interior of the Nostromo that so much of it was familiar and it wasn't just from previous viewings of this movie I feel like pretty much every space movie like copied the design in one way or another uh of the Nostromo or movies and tv shows I mean if you think of stuff like uh Event Horizon and Firefly like you you get a lot of the same sort of almost utilitarian design in in the ship did you happen to notice that or am i just yeah i mean you are whatever you were about to say undoubtedly um so crazy stupid whatever you're gonna say i agree i, I was gonna but, say genius but go ahead oh on. wow you just hoisted me on my own petard <laughs> um but yeah, like I, I really was thinking about that because number one, I, I really appreciated so many of the design elements and the difference between when they're, you know, looking at the alien uh, spaceship as, you know, with the, the, the pilot and with all the, you know, the, that, the contrast in the H.R. Geiger designs compared to this more standard version and like the, all the bulkheads and, and on all the, it was almost like that that translation of like a submarine feel to a spaceship and that, that design, like you're saying is in so many of the, at least the more classic and utilitarian design shows, like you do definitely have plenty of variety uh, over the years of many different sci-fi, but even more modern things, like you said, like Firefly or like the remake of Battlestar Galactica, like sure. I had a lot of those, the big heavy metal grates and mm -hmm. the, the doors. Now I really liked an alien too, that they're they're They use those Iris kind of designs, yeah. like that partition, the different areas, like it's just a cool effect. And, and 
just watching this, knowing all of this being done back in the in the seventies, and and just appreciating like there are some scenes that definitely look like they're old versions of people trying to think about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they go and talk to mother and like, there's all the little lights and, you know, I can imagine they using, you know, like a, a dot matrix printer maybe, or, you know, like, <laughs> uh, like, you know, all these different technologies that would have seemed so advanced. Um, and so you have those things which look a little cheesy, but Hey, this is cool. I like this, but the, just the standard ship design and everything. And even the, the model, you know, in the outside views, like those are all just great. And, um, and then just the can't say enough about Geiger and like what he brought to the aesthetic of everything alien related. Um, it just blew my mind to see it again, realizing in the context of history that, you know, they were doing better set design and better creature design than things happening, you know, 40 years later. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if, if you look at this movie on the whole, like the visuals, for 1979 and even for today are just stunning um like you know you mentioned uh the the alien ship and sort of how that differed from the nostromo and it it just it looked fantastic it was very very beautifully uh, elegantly done um and you mentioned the computer interfaces too i thought that the computer interfaces were super cool I, like, oh yeah, with the little plug-in, like pull, you know, plug-in, hit a few switches, lift, you know, like it wasn't just like blindly typing at some keys, but there were a lot of intricate different switches and things involved. Right, exactly. It was it was very deliberate. You had to do like it was almost a code in and of itself. Yeah. And yeah, on the self-destruct thing. Oh yeah, for sure. That was awesome with the little pillars and yeah, that was really cool looking. But like you, you know, you have the little lights, which is sort of you could sort of. May say that that's reminiscent of like Star Trek or something like that, but the the overall um, technological interfaces and the way that they worked with the ship itself um, was well ahead of its time, um, and even the way that the uh, the the text displayed across the screen, like it wasn't, it didn't make me think of something like War Games or you know some some just cheesy you know, I'm typing a thing and now something else is typing back. Like it, it seemed very intuitive and it seemed very real. Yeah. Like the exception I would think would maybe even, even the exception, which would be when they're communicating with mother in the back and forth, even that had a slightly different feel because it was a certain kind of code and a certain kind of shorthand being used. And it, you know, but it still had that, that, that kind of correspondence back and forth with mm-hmm. the traditional monitor and, and the the words that that you know was you know I mean nothing was necessarily wrong with it and it was fascinating this time around to really try to imagine what am I looking at here exactly is this at first you know thinking is this some sort of you know secret communication with with the corporation that runs everything is this some sort of AI that the that the the big you know government corporations or whatever set up. And, you know, it's like it wasn't really very clear who is on the other end of this. Who is mother? What is mother? Right. But I mean, be that as it may, like it's still it it was acted in such a way that you got that sense of frustration when they didn't get the answers from the computer that they wanted. Maybe they didn't use the syntax they had to or maybe there there legitimately wasn't enough information for mother to, you know, produce a response. But it still felt that way to me. Well, and then and then there was that added element of not know until 
later when you know Ripley gets to the bottom of things like you know that the whole idea of like who's the bad guy here what's actually happening the 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 you know like is information being held on purpose like what mm-hmm. you know what what precisely was going on um and so to segue seamlessly into another point um <laughs> i must say that this movie once again reinforced my absolute love for Sigourney Weaver and how awesome she is now. Of course, this, you know, being one of those, you know, cracking open the code to becoming a star. And, and you know, this is just a big, big time movie uh, for her and her career and developing. But having seen so much with her since this time, uh, even just as recently as her playing you know the the main bad guy in defenders on netflix and and like everything she's done from galaxy quest to like all the dramatic roles like there's so much she's done to then see her in this role where she's just essentially starts off as this generally you know like faceless generic you know just person in space hey, crew member number three yeah, with uh, you know, they're they're just out there hauling minerals or or whatever it is that they were mining, like like no, you know, just nothing, you know, kind of a no expression to her face. It was all just very neutral. And then just as the movie continues, you get to see fairly early on that you know she she has a bit more of a fight in her, you know, going against captain's orders and you know wanting to maintain order and all these things, and and then ultimately throughout being the sole survivor and everything that happens in between. It's like, I mean, what a heroine in a time when like women in movies wasn't really, you know, having someone be the main character, you know, in in a movie is, uh, that was female at the time was not very common. And, and I know that just from behind the scenes videos and all that kind of stuff that this was, it was supposed to be an all male crew originally, but the writer said that every role is unisex and could be played by a man or woman. And so, like, the studio executive people and everyone who wanted to get this greenlit thought, well, you know, it could have more appeal. It'd be different than Star Wars if we had, like, just the the male or female, you know, lead being, you know, one of the primary things we could sell on this. And so it just kind of felt, you know, knowing the history that some of these things were thrown together, but it all feels perfect in the context of the movie as it comes across. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and you're right to think of, you know, in 1979, a, a female-led sci-fi movie where, you know, the, the sole survivor is a woman who is not just, you know, a woman, but she's very capable and has a leadership quality. And, uh, you know, she she's not this damsel in distress. Like, in 1979, That's, you, yeah. you just didn't get that unless it was like Wonder Woman. You know, it, it, it was, it, yeah, it was unheard of. And I very much feel, and, and and maybe this is well-tread territory that I'm just, like, saying I have a feeling, and everyone's like, no, that's obvious, everyone knows that, but it definitely feels like Ripley would be the progenitor of someone like Lyndall, Ham- Lyndall Hamilton in Terminator, you know, like, that whole, like, oh, yeah, it's awesome having, like, a woman kick ass and be in charge and, like, you know, just be have that capability of being strong and not needing someone to just rescue uh, her that she could, hey, what what a crazy idea. Maybe she can have her own character and she could be scared and she could be vulnerable, but she could also be strong and interesting. It's like, it's so weird that there was this transition and all of a sudden, oh, we can do that. That's okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, you really do have to wonder if this, like, set that in motion. Um, yeah. I believe it did. And I think that means it's true. That's, yeah. That 
that's sound logic to me. Oh, I had one other thing on the visuals. It was the the suits. They're they're mm, yeah. EVA suits when they're like going out and they're exploring this other ship. Um, one thing I noticed that was just a really cool sort of uh, detail that I'd never really seen before in any other uh, any other movie where you know you have spacesuits is the 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 CO two blow off valve. Yeah, on the top, and it's like steaming up, you know, out of the the top of the suit. Like it's it's such a minute detail, but it was something I took notice of and thought was really, uh, really unique. Yeah, they paid so much attention to so many details. Like it made me actually have thoughts about physics and chemistry. And like I was really, <laughs> I was like. I was like, why is there so much water in this area? And like, just, you know, like mm-hmm. just trying to understand if it's in space, what what would cause that? And like, it just made me think. And they were so detailed and meticulous that I felt like I could actually have those thoughts. And it wasn't just, well, because it looks cool, but there was even more to it. Like this would make sense for X, Y, and Z reasons. And like, um, just talking about when they get to that other, you know, other, uh, planet i guess and they're going to investigate the ship what was really funny just to give you some local flavor and hear (laughs) a a story about my experience watching it last night sure um i I, of course like i said i I waited till it was like late like you know middle and i was about you know 11 or so and I, i started watching this and uh and it was of course pitch black and it was perfect and all and right around that time, I guess a uh, a cold front was coming through here in Vegas and the wind started kicking up and it was like blowing trees against my window here. And you could hear it whistling through the windows. And that's right around the time when they were exiting their ship when and I don't know if you noticed this, like if it was conscious to you, but when they went on that other ship, like it was super crazy atmosphere and yeah. wind and like everything was being blown around. And I, I super noticed it just because that's what was happening, like. <laughs> physically around me it was like amazing surround sound no, that's cool um, that it just that didn't sort of like didn't scare me at all it definitely <laughs> didn't scare me at all i was i was a brave boy and everything was fine i'm very proud of you my big my big baby my big brave special boy no those, those see those are all really cool detail the, the, another one that i noticed um speaking of like the sort of physics portion was um the acid uh, yeah. Like as the acid's eating its way through the decks of the ship, like you're, you know, if you just sort of follow movie logic, oh, this is going to, like Dallas said, that's going to eat through the hull of the ship. And like it didn't, it stopped after a couple of decks and like it, it the, the acid like started to weaken as it sort of took on the properties of the things it was eating through. And it's just, it's not something that you would think of in in the details of a movie now let me ask you this you know about details i think this is something that i read was just in the director's cut and i don't know what you saw in the non-director's cut so I'm, i wanted to to we're gonna jump ahead in the progression of of the movie we'll bounce all around the place because we can do whatever we want yes, we um can. when and this is uh, i i really i enjoyed the well a lot of things but the as the the alien was like molting its skin and you know uh going from this weird somewhat threatening tiny little thing with like tiny little teeth and acid and who knows what this thing's going to do to its you know m- you know along its uh more mature xenomorphic uh stage um we have the scene where Brett 
uh, walks into the the holding, not holding area, but the uh, I don't know what you like would the, call like the cargo hangar. Yeah, the cargo hold, and he's there, and and the water's dripping on his face, and he's kind of staring up into the the light there. Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens, there's a scene that I believe was only in the director's cut. I didn't know that till afterwards, but it was one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Um, and that's when he's uh, under the putting his face up into the water. There's a scene where you can see the alien xenomorph slightly, just the shadow of it hanging from the chains. Oh no, I didn't see that. So, Oh man, it was so great. Like I, I just, it was one of like maybe my two, one of my two favorite moments. And it's like, again, that whole idea of, of having a reveal that's not a full reveal, but it's enough that you could almost miss it. It only lasts for like maybe, maybe two seconds. So is it just Um, like hanging there, like waiting to pounce? You you see a perspect a force perspective from above everything, looking down on Brett, who's looking up into the water, kind of like Shawshank Redemption, you know, just kind of his head up, water's mm-hmm. dripping on him, and like in the upper right corner, um, or I mean, you're looking down through the chains, but in the far right corner of the screen, all in shadow and in darkness, the chains are swinging, and then all of a sudden you can see just the slightest bit of movement, and you see the faintest outline of the full xenomorph just kind of camouflaged, hanging on these chains right above him. God. All right. We're going to pause here. I'm going to go watch the director's <laughs> cut. No, that sounds really cool. I will have to, yeah. th- at some point, watch that director's cut, because I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, or at the or maybe, very maybe least, I can just find the clips on YouTube yeah, or something like that. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, because as long as we're just talking about two scenes, or, or not two scenes, as long as we're talking about the director's cut, I'm going to tell you the other scene that uh, is kind of a... a fairly big scene as opposed to just tiny little changes. Sure. And that's right as Ripley is, she's on her way to getting to the escape ship. Um, she, uh, gosh, what is, what is their names? Um, it's the, it's, uh, Dallas and, oh, it's Brett. Yeah. It's Dallas and Brett. Um, she comes into a little, uh, part of the ship that has like started to be transformed into what looks like part of the other alien ship with the, you know, really funky stuff on the walls that looks, you know, the Geiger designs mm-hmm. with all of the alien designs. And then both Dallas and uh, Brett are like cocooned up into the wall. Oh, and, like, no, I didn't see that. Either. And they're like, apparently in the process of being transformed into eggs. That's crazy. Cause I was, I sat there. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I sat there at the end of this movie, like, so there's a movie trope that if you don't see someone die, they didn't die. So Right, main characters, yeah. Right. So, like, I'm thinking to myself at the end of this movie, well, what happened to Dallas and, to a lesser extent, what happened to Brett? Because, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, so they, it's they implied beg... that they died. But, wow, yeah, I, and I Dallas... had no idea that they were, like, cocooned. <laughs> yeah, and, like, being transformed and melting and who knows what underneath all of that. But, like... uh but Dallas is just still barely conscious and just begs Ripley to kill him. And so she has a flamethrower with her and just torches them both. Oh shit. And then run and then continues running onto the, the escape ship. Wow. That's great. And this is like with Jonesy in tow, right? Like she's holding the, oh, of the course. carrier with just, ah, that's uh see, that's so cool. God damn it. I got to watch that now. <laughs> but yeah, so those are the two big changes, uh, from my understanding of the director's cut, but they both, I feel, add 
added greatness. I mean, one of them was just a beautiful, great, haunting shot. And then the other one actually helps answer a question about what, what happened. I, you're just going to assume that they're dead. You didn't even look for them. I, mean, I know you're just trying to get out alive, but right. that's still a little bit weird. No, yeah, that that actually helps tie things together a lot. So very you're welcome. Cool. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I did have a few, like I mentioned before, very petty complaints. Um, and they they certainly didn't take away from my overall enjoyment of the movie. Just sort of things that kind of stood out to me. The comms situation was really weird. Like there was way more lag in the comms than you would expect. And at one point. Like they they were having a conversation about repairing the ship and like how long it would take, and it seemed like it they, they repeated it, like they they had one shot on the bridge with Ripley and Dallas and basically everyone who wasn't Ash and Brett talking to Ash and Brett and like you hear that side of the conversation with sort of the the back and forth and then it cuts to Ash and Brett and they say the same thing. You know why? In space, no one can hear you scream. Over the intercom. So you have to repeat Over the intercom in a timely manner. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that was, I don't know, that was just sort of annoying to me. The other thing, um, and this goes back to the sort of, like, getting into the kind of private uh, communications room, you know, that whole sequence of, okay, take that card and put it in that slot and then hit these buttons and then you get to go through the door. Uh, the, the the beeps and boops and the, the sort of sounds, the computerized sounds and the 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 um, like the, the servos and stuff like that, it, it all just seems sort of over the top to me. Like it was a little un- unbelievable in the context of it, it, when, you, when you have this beautiful visual where it's everything is is well synchronized and it it looks like it's a well-oiled machine and not just some you know like slapped together set to hear those little sort of fakey sounds just i don't know it it kind of it took away from just the tiniest little bit i mean i guess that's probably part of the problem with being so far ahead of your time is that there are moments and there are scenes and there are sets and there are designs that just are mind blowing and just really beautiful and, and are great. And then there's just going to be those filler shots that at the time were probably not even thought of as being like, you know, obtrusive or, you know, annoying in any level because at the time they were still good for what they were doing, you know? And so that translation, now we maybe get pulled out of the moment here and there by some of those little details, but but yeah, like for for me, for some reason, it felt like because it was just such a, you know, this big mechanical behemoth of a ship, it just felt like maybe it was supposed to be just a bit touchy. It was supposed to be, you know, not not derelict or anything, but like it just had that feel like for for me when I was watching that a lot of the the things with communication and the things with, you know, anytime I saw something that felt, you know, kind of a bit off or a little chintzy, I just would be like, well, you know, maybe it, it wasn't really, they didn't put all the money into the, you know, like into the ship <laughs> itself. And cause it just felt like, um, and I'm, I'm struggling to remember an exact reference, but it felt like there were a couple of times when they had to like do repairs and things and, Oh, I hope this thing takes off. And well, like, Oh, I, what are we going to like? So I can actually give you an example when they, when Ash and, and Brett say, Oh, we're ready. Um, 
there's basically i'm going to paraphrase but there's a conversation with dallas where he's like well you know how ready are like uh, how good are we to go and he's like well some of the auxiliary powers out and this and that oh no i can fix that in the air let's get off this rock blah 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 um like obviously i'm i would assume that the nostromo is an aged ship like it's it's definitely not new it's been through repairs it's probably been through a few overhauls and I'm guessing that Ash has worked on that ship or one very similar for a long time. And so he knows like, okay, we can do without this and we can do without that. And we'll be okay until we like get out into space and, and, you know, up to safety. And then I can fix whatever needs to be fixed. Yeah. With Ash, you know, he's probably working on this or other ships, like you said, for a long time, because he had a special ring that gave him unnaturally long life. (laughs) Yeah. Bilbo. <laughs> that was not Ash. Um, no. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, I'm That's my bad. I'm thinking I keep saying Ash. I meant Parker. Um Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Uh <laughs> Damn it. I just wanted to bring up the Bilbo reference so it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair, Ash probably did have an unnaturally long life because he was a fucking robot. So, uh there's that. Well, I don't know about his sexual proclivities, but he definitely was a robot. Yes. He he. The jury's out on whether or not he was a fucking robot. So, speaking of robots and Ash, I mean, I I do have to say another little tidbit that I remember from the not was it the commentary? I can't remember now. It's been a while since I watched the commentary versus just some special making of videos. But I do remember that Ian Holm hates milk. Oh, and he. And all that, and all those scenes face. where he had like it was a combination of milk and like <laughs> noodles and all these different things when he was getting torn up, and it's like just to know that he just he hates milk, but he had to keep gurgling it up during that creepy, you know, dismembering uh-huh. scene and stuff. So I just think that's kind of funny. Oh man, he must have been miserable for the filming of that part. <laughs> So I think we need to address an uh, overall issue with this movie. Or not issue, but a, a question, which is, um, do you, after watching this, consider this to be a horror movie? I do, but okay. Um, my definition of horror movie it may be looser than some other people's. Um, I, I, I certainly think that this belongs in the sci-fi genre like the greater sci-fi genre but but to like really hone in on on the feel of this movie i think you have to call it horror i don't think there's any other good way maybe thriller but thriller and horror are so adjacent to each other like it's it's really hard to discern the two um yeah it's uh, you you certainly couldn't call it like an action flick like it's not a shoot 'em up you know it's not there's not constant action happening on the screen um and you couldn't call it a comedy by any stretch of the imagination uh no this is a horror movie to me i mean i i completely agree but then again i i you know was the one who nominated it for us to watch in this halloween horror month no but um it it just it's here I go, uh, not knowing what to say. I'm just so overwhelmed with just <laughs> tears of passion and joy and hilarity. Um, no, it's uh, to paraphrase myself from earlier when I tried to speak in a coherent sentence uh, that the horror 
subgenre is one that I think on purpose is not narrowly defined. It's it's open and it really centers around the idea is is fear being generated, is fear being used as a driving force for for uh, the narrative and the entertainment and all that kind of stuff. And and even if you were to compare this to, you know, some more traditional horror stories where you have like the Jason Voorhees character or you have Michael Myers or any, you know, like these where you have an antagonist who's killing people off. I mean, this alien is killing people off one by one, hunting them down, hiding in shadows, you know, like just, I mean, so much of these things are parallel to what you see in these other, you know, classically uh, labeled horror films that it feels like there are so many different definitions that would put this in that in that horror category, uh, even if people like Bill Randall don't think so. Yeah, I agree completely. So it turns out we're right. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I do have one. I, I love sharing these little tidbits. I hope uh, our listeners like hearing some of the little things that go on with the movie, not from our observation of the movie, but just from background knowledge. And the guy that played Parker, uh, Yafit, I think, something like that. Uh, that would be, yeah, Yafet Kato. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a rumor, and this is not a confirmed thing, but there was a rumor that he absolutely did not want to be killed off in this movie. And that he fought and was constantly trying to convince uh, Ridley Scott, trying to convince Dan O'Bannon, who wrote it, trying to convince over and over again the, the different ways they could get away with having both he and Ripley make it out alive. <laughs> and, like, I just think, like... It was probably funny the first or second time that he put it out there. But then, like, after they've been filming for, like, two months, and he's just like, no, seriously, man, we could do it this way. How about I just get three flamethrowers, and that makes me super (laughs) tough. And, like, I just love that idea. And so that's why we can talk about Alien 7. Oh, boy. Starring Parker. It's going to be Alien 7 is going to be a prequel, of course, but it's also going to be a sequel um, because everything's so messed up with Prometheus and and like the how that changed and shifted. And then we had the next sequel to Prometheus with prequel to Alien, like all that stuff going on. All you need to know is Parker's back because he was cloned, um, which, of course, sci fi cloning. Easy peasy, no problem. Hey, the twist being... Cloning an alien is canon. Cloning an alien's canon. Especially in the midst of the weird timeline that this universe has. So in the midst of this, we have Parker. And guess what? You want to guess? Or do you want me to tell you? I want you to tell me. The thing I'm about to tell you that I'm not thinking up right now off the top of my head, but I've known for a very long time, is that Parker was cloned with just a tiny bit of alien DNA. So he, his saliva is slightly acidic, slightly. So everything he eats tastes kind of horrible. And that makes him really grumpy. How oh, does it have that like coppery taste? The coppery taste. It's the, it's the, co- it's also um, that when cottage cheese goes bad taste, oh, it's man. like, it's all of those tastes. And, and that's why when you meet his character first, he's just frowning a lot. And like the rest of the crew um, that we found out later are all also cloned with a tiny bit of alien DNA. 
um, all, all of your favorite bits, you know, the, the thing popping out of people's mouths and, and like, you know, someone has a thing where their tongue is just kind of a bit fatter than it normally would be. So they just stick their tongue out and you go, what a weird tongue. Yeah. And then he goes, sorry, that was part of my alien DNA. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's a comedy, by the way. Did I mention that? This isn't a horror sci-fi. Alien 7 breaks from all tradition and just becomes a straight up comedy. Um, and so that's just part of the the fun wackiness. Uh, oh, and it's going to be directed by Wes Anderson. Um, and so look for that uh, direct-to-video <laughs> um, in 2000, <laughs> 2023. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Do you need a, do you need a towel and a bottle of water after that? I have a bottle of water right here. <laughs> I'm taking the lid off now. Listen to this audio. Ah, uh, oh, that's refreshing. That's a good pod. Uh All right. So, if you were to reboot this franchise and not, you know, <laughs> not the not, not the Alien 7 that you just so lovingly put together, but like do a, a full-fledged reboot as as hollywood is wont to do uh in 2019 who would you cast in this reboot Mm, good question i think that it's so hard to not just go into like whoever is hot and like just pick you know some of the the biggest care you know biggest people so are you asking me about the whole crew or like one person because um, that's a lot of yeah no 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 no. give me like uh uh give me a ripley give me a dallas and give me an ash okay i think that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh let's see so who could who could some of these i mean i feel like i'm spending the most time thinking about ripley just because so i i have a ripley let me let me throw together my three and then believe it or not (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah you tell me what you're thinking i'll ruminate so uh for i'll give you my ripley last because i i think that that's a pretty good one uh for my dallas i would like to have David Harbour. Mm, I can't argue there. For Ash, I want to bring back Ian Holm. <laughs> uh, but in lieu of that, uh, I think that we could pull a Hobbit and uh, just do a Martin Freeman. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And for Ripley, I would like Alison Brie. Yeah, like, I, I, I want to ridicule you, I do, because I want to do so. Uh, but that's pretty solid i think what i would like i'm gonna start uh kind of go in a similar pattern but i'm gonna start with ash because i think i just want to go against type with him just a bit and i want tom hanks Ooh, okay just in that like he seems and he could seem super friendly and tom hanks like at first and then there's that kind of a dark twist that his motivations are you know he's not gonna be as blank as Ian Holm, who, you know, played things very clinical and you just didn't know what the deal was with him. But he's going to start off very, very warm and very inviting. And then there'll be a turn and all of a sudden he's just not going to be that way no more. I like it. And then for Dallas, um, hmm, I'm still str- I want them. To, I want there to be a good chemistry like, you know, not romantic, but just like a good back and forth fighting. You know what? I think I know my Ripley, believe it or not. And 
I think a Lupita. <laughs> keep, keep, uh, keep getting those jokes in, man. Lupita Anyango, oh, I think, wow, could be really awesome. Choice. Like, I think, especially after Us, which I have issues with the movie, but her performance I don't have issues with. Um, but, like, I, I really think she could do that, like, just kind of, she's just there at first and kind of unassuming and then just kind of ramp up into the intensity of the character. Okay. Um, and then it, it's, you know, those reboots, they're going to want some young actors and actresses in there and, and like young actors that have that arrogance mixed with, um, you know, that, that sense of command and entitlement, but also, uh, I'm just, it's really, I'm just drawing this blank. Maybe, oh, you know what? Maybe uh, good old What's-His-Bucket. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Are you about, are um, you about to say Nathan Fillion? No, I was going to say Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan? Yes. Are you going to have to IMDB him? I am going to have to IMDB him because I am not familiar with that name. Uh Oh. Oh, okay. I like the idea of someone who is a, a a a bit young. I mean, he's not young like a kid. He's in his thirties, but like, but like he has that kind of younger. Like, how did this kid get in charge of the ship and like stuff? But he's like he has a very you know like a a very logical mind, very you know focused, very intense, and he has enough charisma to just kind of you know kind of have people follow him and stuff like that. And then I could see a good back and forth chemistry between him and Lupita. Like, yeah, I'm thinking that'll work. And then. And then Tom Hanks <laughs> just gotta throw him in because won't won't that just be fun? That's a vi- so that's 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 my cast. That's a very good mix. I like that. I um, try my best. I have one last question. This should be a little easier for you, and you probably already Softball. know my answer. Uh, Event Horizon. I don't know the question, but that's probably your answer, right? Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Go 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 ahead. Go on. What was well, the question? What's your favorite space-related horror or thriller? <laughs> that wasn't really your question, was it? It was actually, yeah. We we were screech record sound when you um no. I mean, I will say that it's very close for me between Alien and the sequel Aliens. They're different movies. Um, I feel like this one has a bit more of the horror element, but I also would say that uh, an imperfect movie that there are aspects that I love that I wish I could like maybe remake or touch up is uh, Sunshine by Danny Boyle. Oh, have I seen Sunshine? Oh man, like two thirds of it is great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, just talking about just gorgeous atmospheric movies you know being in space and like it's not it it doesn't have like an alien protagonist or like a specific you know like creature thing it's more like the 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 intensity and the thriller horror aspect of what goes on with people within uh this this ship lost out in the middle of nowhere and people going crazy what's happening who knows you know and just looking at stills from this, I feel like I've seen it, but now I'm going to go back and watch it just to sort of confirm. Uh, the cast is solid, though. Oh, yeah. It's a great cast. It, it it feels like, in my opinion, like they really had some really good ideas, and then it just got a little bit away from them in the execution. That's just, you know, 
I wouldn't necessarily want to do a whole podcast on it, but there are elements that I absolutely love about it. So oh, cool. I'd say that gets special mention, but Alien and Aliens are are at the tops for me. Good pulls all around. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks so much for hanging out with the Member Distillery every Monday. Uh, stay tuned each week as we distill another favorite from our past and make sure that you're keeping your eyes glued to the uh, the polls that we have going on Facebook all October. We have one up now. Uh, do we? I don't know. Our, our, our recording <laughs> schedule is a little tenuous at the moment just because of personal lives but we will have new episodes up every monday regardless but keep an eye on facebook anyway yeah just keep watching facebook because you know when i hear facebook do you want to guess what i think about anthony uh is it gonna be that's right it is it's destroying the evidence by (laughs) semaphore the song that we heavily feature throughout our podcast each and every week um you should check out not just that song but all of the work that they do and maybe one day uh, we can all go to a concert together. Um, as always, as Anthony's saying, keep your eye on Facebook for our, all our polls and different things being posted so you can participate. We love that. And, and if you have any additional things you want to send us your thoughts or input or additional questions or just, you know, whatever, you just want to tell us your favorite recipe for cheesy potatoes, uh, send that in to the memory distillery at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening, for talking about cheesy potatoes and looking at alien xenomorphs. <laughs> this is John Tech. And this is Anthony Veneri. And this has been the Memory Distillery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was one of my favorite podcasts we ever did about cheesy potatoes. I hope you don't cut out that half hour segment in the middle where we get into that. Oh, wait, I lost all that audio. Oh, no. (sighs) I guess we could postpone that to the other movie that features cheesy potatoes. Yep. A a little bit of sunshine. Mm -hmm. I I, I thought it was Garden State, but. Well, I was, you know, there's sunshine. (laughs) The horror space movie, A Little Miss Sunshine, which I believe was a sequel to Sunshine, but they were just littler and misser in the space. Right. And then yeah. and then Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which turned out to be a prequel. And a sequel, just like the whole alien thing. Yeah. It's so weird, yeah. That's a great connection. <laughs> yeah. And then but then the true sequel to Invisible Invisible Spotless? What? My words are broken. Eternal spotless shine of the mind is a thing in orders that makes sense. All of that to set up the big joke that's going to fall flat afterwards where I talk about how it leads into the beautiful mind. Ah. Because they're all tied together. It's cool.